graduates, parents, grandparents, uncles, aunts, siblings. Honestly, I just want to make sure like everybody knows that they're included in this reminder, right? Like cousins, friends, in-laws, outlaws. Get your oil changed. Get your tires rotated. Yeah, that statement's not going to make any sense for at least 20, 25 minutes. Hopefully, maybe at the end, we'll be able to tie that reminder together with everything else. Um, honestly, I want to start just a little bit different than we typically do. I want to engage the crowd. I have um, three questions for you guys. I do understand that could go terribly wrong. Um, then after we engage the crowd, I want to make a statement, right? And then I'm going to um, give you a bunch of scripture to support that statement. And praise God for that, right? Because nobody really needs to hear anything I have to say. It's the word of God and it's scripture that changes lives. Right, so I'm going to support that statement with some scripture. Then I really only have one point, so I promise to be out quicker than usual. And after that, I'm also going to back that point up with scripture. Maybe then that statement will make sense to you. That reminder to get your car serviced every now and again will make a little sense. Anyways, um, as I said, I want to engage the crowd. This has potential to go wrong. So if this message is terrible, it's your guys' fault, honestly. So... Um, I have a question for you, and, and I do want you to answer back, and I'll repeat your answers through the mic, you know, for those who are watching with us live, because obviously they won't be able to hear your answers. Um, but my first question is this, what is the best purchase that you have ever made or that has been made for you? Right? There's, there's no right answer to this. There's no wrong answer. It's actually a pretty hard question. I, I don't even have an answer of my own. I've been asking it around the office for like two weeks. Um, what is the best purchase that you have ever made or that has been made for you? And listen, I know we're in church. It's a Sunday morning. Some, some wise and high person be like, my Bible. My, 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 thank you. Thank you. That's all of our best purchase. Okay? Your second best purchase that you've ever made. This is the point where you engage, though. This is the point where you have to. Somebody, house. A house. Okay, perfect. Anybody, Anybody else? else? Certainly, we're not all homeowners. I don't own a house, but great purchase. Okay. She had to purchase the babies. They're not adopted, but she had to pay the doctor bill to purchase the babies. Okay, best purchase was a family dog. So we have a house, family dog, the kids, great purchase. Great purchase. Education, okay, your education's been the best purchase you've ever made. Tom, is that what you're really going to say? I feel like she answered it for us. She's like, no, yours doesn't count. Education. Okay. Some diamond earrings. So that was the best purchase that's been made for you. Spain's like, oh, my wallet is killing me. My wallet. Okay, okay, so we got a house, we got some earrings, kids, dog. I, listen, I knew it. He was going to be the wise in my reason. My salvation, so absolutely, absolutely. Although I would, I would rebuttal a little bit. You did not purchase your salvation. It's been purchased for you. This is the Baptist church. No. <laughs> no, no, no. Listen, I, your salvation, and then what was your second one? 
Wedding ring. Okay, yes. yes. Good. That's a necessity. A necessity. Anybody else? Let me get one more. The best purchase you've ever made. Plane tickets overseas. Where did you go? All of them. Okay, all right. Plane tickets everywhere overseas to do missions work. Thank you for that, by the way. Okay, that's great. So then let me ask you another question. Kind of the opposite of that. What is the worst purchase you have ever Make it in your life. Or it's been made for you. I understand. Some of us are young. We don't make our own purchases. And you want to say diamond rings that's, or diamond earrings, that's fine. <laughs> it's, both, it's both the best and the worst. <laughs> Buying a house at the peak of the market. Wrong time. Okay, worst purchase. So a house has been both the best and the worst purchase we've ever made. Okay, what else? Huh, okay, okay, a, a timeshare time doesn't sound good. Okay, okay go, what was that? I, I, oh, Plymouth Reliance. Okay, well, it started with Plymouth. I don't know where we were, like Plymouth Rock. I don't know where we were going. Okay, um, there, was a, there was another one. Somebody talked to us. Worst purchase you've ever made or that's ever been made for you? Yeah, very specific. The, it was the 79. The 80 would have been great, but that 79 Oldsmobile was the worst. Okay, okay. one other worst purchase that Trevor had hand, hand up. Give it to me. Give it to me. Your cats. Oh, my goodness. Peter's been coming for us. He sitting down front row right there. Black shirt, by the way. Uh, okay, he said, he said it's cats for those online. It's cats. Not a big cat fan. Okay, so then let me ask you a question. What is it? What are the things? Sorry, my bad. What do you got, man? Worst purchase that's ever been made. He said our cocker spaniel. Not a big fan. Did, did he chew something up? What did he do? He's a messy dog. Okay, so let me ask you guys a question then. Right, because we even had some of the same answers within the most best purchase and worst purchase category. What are the factors? What are the things that go into determining um, whether or not something was a good purchase? Right, what makes something? What determines whether it was a good purchase or a poor purchase? What are those factors that help determine that? Wisdom. Maybe wisdom led you to have a good purchase. But it wasn't your wisdom that decided whether or not it was. Maybe it was, actually, because if, if you weren't wise about it, you would have never made the purchase. What other factors? The pleasure you got from it. Okay? So it served a purpose. Okay? How long does it last? Is it reliable? Okay? Oh, that was yours. She's still here. Huh? Reliability. Okay? Sacrifices? Okay. What else? What other factors determine whether or not it was a good purchase? The value to you. Okay, perfect. So there are typically three things, and everybody mentioned some of them, really. There are typically three things that determine um, value when making a purchase or when buying something. The first one is who owned it. 
right? That's why you see things like, like a pair of Jordans, the basketball sneakers, right? Two, three hundred dollars typically, right? A little overpriced probably, but it costs if you want to look good, right? So you get a pair of Jordans, two, three hundred dollars. You get a pair of Jordans that Michael Jordan like actually wore during the game. They're talking thousands, six, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand dollars. So the first thing that helps determine value or worth what something is worth is who owned it. The second thing um, is what is someone willing to pay for it? Now, the two are often linked together, right? Like, um, if Michael Jordan owns something, you might be willing to pay a little bit more for it. Do you understand? But that's also where you get things like um, supply and demand, right? That's why, like, when toilet paper supply went down, people began paying stupid amounts of money to hoard it in their house, right? So the first one is who owned it. The second one, what is someone willing to pay for it? The third, right, is this. Worth or value is often directly correlated with purpose. Right? That's why we use phrases when something breaks. We say, this is a worthless piece of junk, right? It is broken, right? It used to serve a purpose. Now it's broken. It can no longer serve that purpose that it was purchased for. It is now um, worthless. Can I just tell you guys something? Nobody in this room, I don't care how poor you guys are, how rich you may be, I don't care whether you graduated with honors or you're just honored to have actually graduated, right? I don't care how poor your grades are, right? It doesn't matter. I don't care what somebody told you or what you thought or what your self-worth is. Can I just tell you something? No one in this room is worthless. Everybody, everybody is valuable, Listen, God shows you. If you place your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, there is a truth that God shows you. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16, you've not chosen me, but I have chosen you. 1 Peter 2, 9, the very beginning of the verse, it says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. Some of y'all are a little peculiar. But Ephesians 1, 4, it says, he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us, predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself. Here it is, according to the good pleasure of his will. He chose you. You have been chosen because he wants you, right? He was not forced into the table. It wasn't like, oh, you were the only thing left on the shelf. I guess I'll just choose these humans instead of taking these sweet, awesome whales. No, he chose you because he wants you. He chose you because he loves you. 1 John 4.10, here is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us, and he sent his son to be a propitiation or an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5.8, but God commended or he proved his love. So not only did he love you, but he said, you know what, I'm going to prove it. And how did he do it? He says, in that, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So God chose you because he wants you. Right? Because he wants you and he loves you. Right? He chose you. So because he, he wants you, he loves you, he chose you. And once he chose you, he then he redeems you. Right? Galatians uh, 3, verse 13, the very beginning of that verse, it says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. And praise God for that, honestly. 
Galatians 4, um, verse 4. It says, but when the fullness of time was come, in other words, he had it marked on his calendar. He wasn't late. God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law. And here's verse 5, to redeem them that are under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. To redeem means to buy back, to regain possession of something in exchange for a payment. 1 Corinthians 7.23 says, Ye are bought with a price. Be not servants of men. 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you are not redeemed with corruptible things such as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers. And then verse 19 goes on to say, But with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, as a lamb without blemish and without spot. God loves you so much that he paid a very hefty price for you. The most common question that I'm asked by students in my ministry um, is how do I know what God's will is for my life? How do I know? This is a question that has to do with purpose. Maybe at the core of the question, they want to know, like, what job am I supposed to pursue? What career um, does God want me um, to pursue? But at its core, this is a question that has to do with purpose. What is, Travis, what is my purpose in life? Do I have a purpose? What is God's purpose for me? Can I just tell you something? God did not redeem you. He did not buy you back for no reason at all. You are redeemed for a purpose. You were not bought with a very hefty price to sit on the shelf collecting dust as some useless trinket. In its most basic sense, to be sanctified means to be set apart for a special purpose. The sanctification is the process of becoming more like Christ, less like me, less like the world, by purifying our hearts and our minds through things like prayer, repentance, right, so we can accomplish our purpose. Right? In other words, if you want to fulfill your God-given purpose in this life, you must engage in the process of sanctification. And fire insurance... Probably isn't going to cut it. 1 Thessalonians 4.1 says, Furthermore, then, we beseech you, brethren, we exalt you by the Lord um, Jesus, that as ye have received of us how ye ought to walk and to please God, so ye would abound more and more, for ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. That every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles, which know not God, that no man go beyond the fraud of his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such as we have uh, forewarned you and testified. And then verse 7, it says, For God has not called us into uncleanness, but unto holiness. Do you understand? God's people are supposed to be different. And I'm not talking like, oh, yeah, he's a little different. Don't worry about him. No, God's people are supposed to be set apart. They're supposed to be other than. They're supposed to be holy. And it's not just about being sexually pure. But can I be honest with you? It sure does make the list a whole lot every time the Bible talks about sanctification or being sanctified. 
Leviticus 18, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you used to dwell, shall ye not do. And after the things of the, uh, the land of Canaan, whither I am going to bring you, shall ye not do. Neither shall ye walk in their ordinances. Ye shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinance to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. And in the very next verse, right, verse 6, no one is to approach any close relative or have sexual relations with him. I am the Lord your God. Right? And the rest of the entire chapter is a very specific list of sexual do's and do nots, right? And in verse 3, it mentions Egypt and Canaan, right? And it says, do not follow their practices. You understand, they're surrounded by a bunch of people who have no idea who or when it was okay to have sex with. If that don't sound a little bit like 2021, you wake up. Egypt represented where they had been. Canaan is where God is going to bring them. In other words, he's saying, listen, I don't care what, what you used to see. I don't care what they were doing where you came from. I don't care what the culture's doing where it surrounds you. Canaan represents where they're going. He says, listen, I don't care what you used to see. I don't care what you're getting ready to see. Right? You are my people. I don't care what the culture's doing. I don't care what everyone else is doing. You are my chosen people. I chose you. And listen, there's a whole lot that goes into that, but this one thing is for sure. You were chosen in order to draw others into the glory of God. That's your purpose. Right? He chose you because he loved you in order to draw others to him because he loved them just the same. You are chosen to draw others to the glory of God. Now, that doesn't necessarily look the same for everybody, right? The way that you draw others unto his glory, right? The way that you draw others to say, listen, like, this is how magnificent and amazing, this is what he has worked in my life. Like, look at what he's done. The way that you do that may look totally different from the way that I go about that. It's often gift-dependent. Right? It doesn't look the same for everyone, but that doesn't change the purpose. You have been chosen in order to draw others unto his kingdom. You can't draw nobody to God when you blend in with the world. You can't lead nobody to Christ for redemption and forgiveness of sins, doing the same thing that they need to be redeemed and forgiven for. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Know ye not the unrighteousness that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, but ye are washed, praise God, and sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Right? God is for real about how his people are supposed to live. God is for real about how his people are supposed to conduct themselves. As a matter of fact, God is so for real about how they were supposed to live, how they're supposed to be different, how they're supposed to conduct themselves. He's so for real about it that even their crops were supposed to be pure. You understand? He's so for real about their, their purity. He says even your clothes need to be pure. Leviticus 19.19. You should keep my statutes. They shall not let the cattle gender with a diverse kind. They shall not sow the field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. 
Everything about you is supposed to be different. Listen, Charles, this is 2021. We don't live under the Levitical law anymore. And listen, today I say praise God that we are no longer justified by our adhesion to this law. Praise God for that. But it does not change the reality that does not change the expectation that God has for his chosen. Right? 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Can I ask you guys a question? What, 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 what do you think? Like when, when Paul told Timothy, his young preacher boy, that all scripture is, is profitable, it's good for, for teaching us what's right, what is wrong, how to fix it, how to live by it, right? What do you think he meant by all scripture? I mean, like, just the, the fluffy, like, good stuff about the grace of God found in the New Testament. Right? I, I mean, listen, what we know as the New Testament hadn't even been compiled together as the New Testament yet. You think Paul had his own letters in mind? Right? Like, the, the scripture that Timothy learned as a young man from his, his mother and his grandmother, it was the Old Testament that he would have known. I do think the wording of the passage, however, certainly does leave room for the New Testament to be included in that. But that in no way eliminates the Old Testament. Right? In fact, Jesus himself said, listen, if you are in fact about the kingdom of God, if you're about my kingdom, the 600 and plus laws found in the Old Testament isn't enough. It's not going to cut it. You're going to have to up it up one more level. Matthew 5, verse 17. At the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, he says, uh, think not that I am come to destroy the law or the prophets. Right? I'm not come to destroy, but to prevail. Verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass not one jot. Or one title shall no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least uh, of the least commands and shall teach men, so he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoso shall do and teach them the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. Romans 3, verse 30, right? Paul writes to the Romans, he says, See, it is one God that justified the circumcision by faith and one the uncircumcision by faith. He's saying, listen, since it's one God who justifies both the Jew and the non-Jew by their faith alone, he asks a question. He says, do we then make void the law through faith? And the answer is, God forbid, rather we establish the law. Right, listen, don't get this mixed up, man. If you heard nothing else that I said this morning, if you, like, everything's went one in one ear and out the other, please hear this, right? Do not get this mixed up, right? Your, your salvation, your, your justification, as it's called, right, in the smarter realm, right? Your salvation, your justification, and your sanctification are not the same thing. Right? Yes, you have to be saved. You need to be justified before God in order to be sanctified. But just because you are saved, that does not mean that you have even begun the process of sanctification, as it were. Right? The two are completely different. We are saved by the grace of God. Right? And it's through our faith alone, by His grace alone, that we are saved. Right? 
we brought nothing to that party but the sin that requires it. Ephesians 2 says, For by the grace of God you are saved through faith. Right? Not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. It's because of God's mercy that he did not give us what we, um, what we deserve. Right? And it's his grace that says, you know what? I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. Right? And when we place our faith and trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, our justification, our salvation is instantaneous. It happens in an instant. Sanctification is not the same. Right? The two are not the same. In 1 Corinthians 9.27, Paul says that he beats his body into submission, or I buffet it, as the NIV says. That's some strong language. It takes work. It's going to cost you something. It may hurt a little. I imagine getting beat doesn't feel good. See, there's going to be a sacrifice to that. A year ago, I took my car to dealership to get service. Don't hate on me. I know it's like the most expensive way to do it. I like to take it to the same place every time so the same people touch it. And then if I want to trade it in, I just go to the dealership. And I say, look, this thing's a piece of junk. I say, you were taking care of it. It's your, it's your fault. A year ago, I take a car to the dealership to get service. Oil change, tire rotation. So I leave this tire rotation, you know, them things are expensive. <laughs> you just gotta get the most you can out of them things, right? Rotate them every time I get the oil tanks. Right? There's, a, there's a manufacturer like Randy. It's these tires are gonna go for 50,000 miles. Right? If you put in the proper amount of air and with the proper maintenance, right, rotation, they will get you from point A to point B, right? They will serve their purpose for at least this long, right? This 50,000 miles. Right? And I'm cheap, okay, so I gotta get money out of them things. I rotate them all the time. Oil change. It wasn't long, right? I got my car off. I'm driving. I'm not driving. I'm riding, actually, because I got my car off. I get a call from the dealership. Mr. Owens, I found something else wrong with your car. Go figure. Go figure. Mr. Owens, your tires are wearing unevenly. It's got to be your fault. <laughs> Maybe you, maybe you didn't run take tires like I asked you to, right? Your, your tires are wearing unevenly. Right? And he begins to explain. It's, it's not the tires themselves that's the problem. You know, you could change the tires, but it's just going to occur again. The, the problem is your alignment. Right? Alignment has to do with the suspension and how the tires, right, come in contact with the road. Right? Align too much one way, the inside wears out faster than the outside. Align too much the other way, the outside begins to wear faster than the inside. And they will never fully reach their potential. You understand? They will never fully fulfill what they could have done for me. If you are going to fulfill your God-given purpose here on this earth, you had better make sure that your life is perfectly aligned with the Word of God. In March 13th of this year, I was in a car accident. I was on my way back from the chiropractors. Go figure it out if that isn't ironic. Just got adjusted. I was feeling good. Kind of sort of around the light by Stonewall, the shop of Stonewall up there. Car kind of whips in front of me. I think maybe she misjudged how fast the traffic was going. She slams on her brakes. 
that slam on mine. Praise God I didn't hit her. But the person behind me crushed me. He hit me, he hit me hard, right? Flung my neck back, had an old case of the noodle neck. That thing was hurting. Fell, it fell all flimsy. I'm sure there's a medical, Jamie can tell us a medical term for that. What's wrong, sir? Oh, I got a case of the noodle neck. I had a case of the noodle neck. Felt flimsy, it was hurting. Did like $10,000 damage in my car. Right, there's sensors all in the bumpers, cameras, in front bumper, back bumper, right? Mashing the whole lift gate door. $10,000 damage, praise God for insurance. Praise God. Right, it took, like, took like two weeks. I thought, I thought it could have been done faster, honestly. It took like two weeks. I got my car back. Right, it looked great. They did a great job. Everything's functioning as it should. All the bells and whistles are working, man. The sensors are working. It's amazing that they can replace this stuff. And it's amazing they didn't have to tow my car, right? And I get in and I begin to drive. And you pull a little bit too right. Right, the impact from that had knocked it out of alignment. Listen, sometimes in our lives, there's things that can happen, right, in a vessel that wants used to go straight, right? Maybe some impact or something happened, and now it veers a little bit to the right. Sometimes we need to realign ourselves with the Word of God to make sure that we can fulfill our purpose, our God-given purpose of bringing His kingdom glory and honor. Before I take a vacation, I depart on some sort of like abnormally long trip, I get my car serviced. Right? I want to make sure that it's going to get me where I'm going. As graduates, everybody really, it's a good idea to get underneath the hood checked before you depart on this new season, this new adventure, as it were. Right? Make sure that you're properly aligned before you begin this next adventure. If I could just um, have, all, have all his bow, um, Christians, if you could be praying. I, I don't know, maybe if you're here this morning. I mean, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it says that it's appointed on the men once to die, and then after that, the judgment. Maybe you're here this morning and say, oh, Travis, I don't know. Like, if something were to happen today or or tonight, or, or whatever, I had to stand before God. I don't know that I would stand justified before God. Travis, I don't remember a time that I'd ever been saved. Can I just, can I just tell you that God loves you? God loves you so much. He sent his son to die for you. Right? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, there is a wage or a payment for our sin, and that wage, that payment is death. An eternity separated from God in a place the Bible calls hell, but praise God for the gospel. John 3.16 tells us that God loves you so much, he sent his son to pay that debt, to pay that price, so that whoever believes in him won't perish, but they will have eternal life. Do you believe that today? The Bible tells us, call upon the name of the Lord, and thou shall be saved. If you believe that today, and if you say, you know what, I just don't know even where to start, you could just say a real simple prayer right to yourself, right where you're at. You could just say something like, God, God, I know that I'm a sinner. 
God, I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. I don't know it all, I don't understand it all, but the best way that I know how, I ask you to save me. Come in and be Lord and Savior of my life. Maybe you're here this morning. You say, you know what? My car used to, used to drive straight. But I've been a little bit misaligned for a long time. Now I'm way off. If that's you, we're going to have a moment of invitation here in a second. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.